0: Okay, so everybody got what they wanted. Kenny Pickett's the quarterback. It's the right move. A little late, but the right move. Now what? Because as I think we can all agree upon, this alone won't cut it. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Mike Tomlin made it official yesterday at his press conference. The quarterback position, we made a change in game, um, and Kenny will start this week and I just want to talk about that. And what moment. you can't hear in the background were oh, you know, fireworks and the angels playing their harps and everything else. Look, it was needed. It's probably about a week late. And I suppose I could get into some revisiting of all that. It's classic hindsight, though, after the fact. But what matters the most right now is just getting that offense going, meaning Sunday in Orchard Park. Simple as that. They can't be looking at the next five games. They can't be looking at when TJ Watt comes back. And really, from the offensive standpoint, you can't be fretting over whether or not your defense can get off the field because there's nothing you can do about that. What you can do is make the overall group more effective, more in control, and you know what? More confident. And of all messages that should have been received loud and clear from the head coach that I'd really hope would have contributed to his decision, he should have listened to Deontay Johnson and Pat Friermuth and others strongly suggesting that there was just something different about having Kenny in the huddle. You need to have a little bit of that swagger. Again, good for him, meaning Tomlin. Good for him, meaning picket. Good for them, meaning the offense. Now, now they got to get to work. And that starts with, I feel like this is a worthwhile reminder today, the offensive line. On Sunday, when we were speaking with Kenny after the game, he brought up on his own that the O-line is now the strength of our team. That was his term, not mine. As crazy as that comes across, given where we were in this dialogue about a month ago, it's hard to argue. And I'll give full credit to everybody involved, including Coach Pat Meyer, maybe chiefly Coach Pat Meyer, for putting this together from where we all saw it was in the preseason. It's not perfect, this group, but when you look at Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, Chuksa Korofor. You're seeing hiccups. You're seeing still a couple too many penalties. You're seeing occasionally someone get knocked backward the way Dotson did by New York's Quinn and Williams the other day. But you're also seeing the greatest progress of any positional group on the roster. Kenny was right. Now about the rest. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. I could easily turn this entire segment into yet another Matt Canada rant. Not going to do that. Just going to say that the coordinator needs to be better. He's not going anywhere. They're not firing him. They're not taking over the play calling. He just needs to be better. He has officially run out of excuses. Everything's in place right now. Offensive line excuse gone, running back excuse gone, quarterback excuse blown to bits. This is your first rounder, and you've actually worked with him in the past. Now, let's see from here. Najee Harris hit holes. There's nothing that's more surprising, I, I guess would be the right term for it, that when you break down film after watching the game in person, than to see the holes that Najee just doesn't see, let alone try to hit. And I'm not, I am not want to paint him out. You know, as like Benny Snell too, or something, he's obviously got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of want to. And we see that he has an uncanny ability to carry someone for the extra yard or two. He's really, really tough. But he often, I think, takes that trait too far. Instead of just going to daylight, he's looking for somebody that he can carry along with him because he was always able to do it, including in college go to daylight, go where the hole is, you know? I'm not criticizing here either, believe it or not, because in fairness, the running game was really, really good in the first half Sunday against the Jets. The only individual who shut down the running game was Canada. In the passing game, I think this is more a matter of restructuring the hierarchy. George Pickens is your number one receiver. That's not me reacting rashly to new shiny thing. No, it's just Right there in front of you. Targeted eight times, caught six passes, 102 yards, average of 17.7 yards per catch. If you want to be targeting someone deep downfield, have it be this kid, not Chase Claypool, who shrinks from those types of plays. Simultaneously, get Claypool back involved in the offense the way he was in the first couple games, especially Cincinnati. Cincinnati. What happened to all those quick crossing routes that were effective? How about giving the ball to him out of the backfield? That was effective. Nah, let's instead do the one thing that he's not good at. Deontay Johnson had two catches. While that's two more than Claypool had, it's still only two catches. I don't want to hear about the Jets all-pro guy who was blanketing him and how he does that to everybody. When you're paid like a number one, or at least like a number one B, you've got to rise up. Deontay didn't do that against the Jets. Make no mistake, all of these variables need to come together for this team to take off offensively. And I'll go further because I want to see Calvin Austin out there. I wouldn't mind seeing Steven Sims out there. Never mind wanting to see Steven Sims as the punt returner let's see something dynamic out of this group. How different did the Jets look to you with all that speed they had going left, right, and back and forth in their backfield? You know what I'm talking about? Not just the trick play at the goal line, but just in general. Every time New York snapped the ball, there was all kinds of fun activity going on back there. The Steelers have these weapons. They don't utilize them. They don't utilize them. This can be... Personnel-wise, a good, not necessarily great, but a good offense. One guy, one guy right now is holding that back. When we come back, J1Q. Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from DNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the Awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from John Gibbons, who asks, DK, when the offense sucked, you co-blamed the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. The fact is the defense has sucked now for three games With no scheme adjustments, where's the criticism of the defensive coaches? Surely everyone believes they need to try a new scheme since the current one doesn't work. Linebackers have been below average. Are we using the players in a scheme that doesn't work for the group? John, let me start off. And man, I got to apologize to everybody who's heard this from me already a million times. By saying... That whenever I offer a commentary on a certain subject, it is not intended necessarily to be the complete assignment of blame. I don't even think like that. It's a team sport that involves 53 individuals on the field, a dozen more off the field. And there are a ton of factors within that. To blame one person Two people, even 12 or 20, is crazy. Look at this past week's game against the Jets. It might be the strongest example yet of this. As Cam Hayward told me after that game, you could go literally 1 through 53 and find that someone didn't do what they were supposed to do, and he's totally right. However, if I were to come here on this show and assign a list type grade, I guess, to all 53 guys, that'd make for a pretty boring show. So I try to find different subjects over the course of the week. Some of them go onto this show. Some of them go into my written work. Some of them I don't even share with anybody. Does anyone really care what I think of Presley Harvin's performance to date? No. Am I going to do a whole show on it? No. Do I think he's free of blame? No, of course not. So get that idea out of your head right now. I try to take on, over the span of the five weekdays that this show runs, the most representative possible subject matter. Again, not a list of blame. That said, my feeling on the defense right now, and I have made this clear, by the way, is that to a large extent, it's a personnel issue. I don't believe that the coaches, who are also the ones who choose the personnel, are necessarily putting their youngest, freshest, most dynamic athletes on the field because they're more worried about following X or following O or making sure that they've got the right assignments. Now, you can say what you want about that, and there's merit to it for sure. But if you have players on the field who are either flat out not making plays, or worse, don't want to make plays, meaning in run defense, Get them off the field and put people out there who are willing. I'm not suggesting that the Steelers have a latter-day mean Joe Green waiting in the works. They don't. And I'm definitely not going to hype up for, as often as I mention him, it's only as an example, Isaiah Loudermilk or Mark Robinson. But I do know that Loudermilk is capable of stopping the run. That was the reason they traded to make a move to get him in the draft. I do know that Robinson could tackle a gnat in a windstorm. Why? I watched it in the preseason. He flies to the football. He's a missile. He looks like... I'm going to go way back here with this reference here, for those of you who've been following the Steelers for a long time, but a rookie-level Kendrell Bell. Remember what he was doing? He would just knife through everybody like a heat-seeking missile and just take the person down. If all you do is put Robinson on the field at inside linebacker, and it's not like that should be a tough position at which to supplant anybody, and say, you are... Watch the running back. Spy the running back. Just do that. And that's it? Are you kidding me? You think that running – I mean, the running back's going to get yards, especially if they're pretty good, like a Nick Chubb or somebody, but that's going to have a massive difference. Look, I don't want to sit here and play Dick LeBeau. I don't don't have anywhere near the experience to say, well, try this and try this and double this and, you know – do something different in the secondary bring up your safeties and whatever else here i just know that this team has personnel on the field who are not committed to stopping the run that is on the list of blame for this particular subject at a number one for me it's not alone but it's at the top That's where they should start. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.